Okay, so thank you so much for joining. I'm gonna have to speak a little bit lower. Haven't been feeling well. Mom has been knocked out the last week or so. I had strep. And sometimes when I get strep, I'm mamish like, it's not just like three days, four days. It really, really knocks me out. I don't know exactly why, but I'm still recovering. So I'm still a little bit weak, but I really, I needed this more than any of you need it. You know, it's when, I, when I'm not able to, to give over and I'm not able to see you and to learn with you. I think that this is a chilek of my recovery. So, but I'm still trying to take it a little bit easy. So, Bez Hashem, let's try not to get too excited about the Rebbe's tire. It's very difficult. Um, but we'll try our best to, to keep our cool and to pretend like we're learning, you know, Masil Susharm or something. I'm kidding. <laughs> Should get excited about that also. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. We have a phenomenal thank you so, so much. Yeah, it's nothing serious. Baruch Hashem. Getting better every day. Um, so we have a phenomenal Torah to learn, actually two Torahs to learn together. Um, one of them is much shorter. One of them is much, much, much longer. I'm sorry, my brain is not all there either. But is very, very lengthy. We're going to try our best to get through it. I didn't want to throw in too many peripheral sources to hop out and in because I want to just learn this Torah with you. And it's sort of the grand finale of this series of Sichas that we've been learning, which are all on the topic of Amuna. We spent the last couple of weeks speaking about Nachman's teachings on Amuna, Sicha Mem is the, is the grand finale of that. Um, and the culmination of Sicha Mem is actually a very beautiful tire on the dreidel and some of the inner meaning of what we're going to be doing. So it's been the Siyat HaDashmai that we had since the beginning, if you remember. Somehow it always lines up with all the Yom Toivim. Crazy. Mom is crazy. Every single time, come to a Chag, there's something applicable to what we were This happened Rosh Hashanah time, it happened Tisha B'av time. And so over here we're coming to, uh, to Hanukkah, and of course we have to start a Hanukkah already. And it's already over here now to sort of change the clock, and it gets dark at 4 o'clock now. Um, and so that means the Hanukkah is already in the air, and we have to, we have to start our Hanukkah for it. It's a very exciting time. Very, very exciting time. Um, just one announcement before we jump in. Be'ezer Hashem, LPI, you heard it here first. LPI, we're starting a brand new program, Be'ezer Hashem. The program is called, uh, let's see if I can remember, it's called uh, Princess Seekers, the Princess Seekers podcast. Bezer Hashem, the idea is where I will be sitting down in one-to-one conversations with you in 25 minutes, half hour over Zoom. Um, people who feel that Hasidus has changed their lives, people who did not come from a Hasidic background, but people from across the spectrum who feel as if their discovery of the Baal Shem Tov's derech and of the teachings of, of Hasidus, Bechlal, Rabbi Nachman, Befrat, but all, all Hasidus, that it's, it's radically shifted, you know, their, their, their experience with Yiddishkeit. Um, and punctuated with those episodes, we'll be releasing them once a week with a wide spectrum of different ages and backgrounds and men and women, whole spectrum punctuated. I'm going to be able, uh, going to, be able to have conversations with some of the, uh, the leading mashpiim. Um, and those will also be to hear their story, but also to be able to clarify some questions that all of us may have. I know that I have many um, in this regard of, of how to really you know, hold on to this path, which we're all pioneering in a certain way. It's like some people call it neo-Hasidus, but just Hasidus as non-Hasidim, right? Or not classically seen as, you know, part of that community. How can we sort of, you know, navigate that? And so, Bezer Hashem, if you, if any of you have any, any questions that you'd like answered in those uh, sessions, please send them to me. Bezer Hashem can have a long list of questions. Um, but we will be Be'ezer Hashem. Uh, thank you so much for the little bit you were here. Yosef, thanks for coming. Uh, but we'll be able to... 
we'll be able to clarify all of those things. And if you would like to have one of these conversations with me and you think that you fit the bill, Bez Hashem will be making public a link to a Google form where you can fill out your information, and we're going to try to uh, have a great lineup of guests. Okay, so Bez Hashem, that's, uh, that's something very, very exciting that's coming up. Okay, so now, without further ado, let's jump in to our Limud for tonight. I'm going to share my screen as always. And let's jump into it. Okay, so again, if you're just tuning in, I apologize. My, my voice is not so a thousand percent, and I'm trying to take it a little bit easier. So uh, if that's if I sound a little monotonous, or more monotonous than I usually sound, that's why. Okay, so I hope you'll stick with me. So here we begin with, with Rabbi Nachman, Sichasran, Lamates. A short Torah, independent Torah on its own. Then we're going to get into Sichamem, which is the bulk of, of tonight. You know, we, we, and today we hope, we're going to get through the whole thing. It's very long. But let's first take a look at Sicha Lamed Tes. And the Tzaddik says, very, very beautiful Sicha. The Tzaddik said that it's fitting to feel the pain of an individual. Of course, the Rebbe is speaking from experience. This is a person who not only suffered as an individual, but... Part of the job description of a Rebbe is that you become, you know, you become a therapist. You have to be. You have to be a person who's sitting and listening as people line up, really for nothing more. Obviously, they want your brachas, but they also want they want to unburden themselves to the tzaddik. And the Rebbe says it's very important to feel the tzar of a yachid. Certainly, if the masses are suffering, and if the world is hurting, and if communities are hurting, whether it's a specific community or just many people, a proliferation of people that are going through things, we should feel that. That should impact us. Chas v'shalom believe he says, we have to feel that in our hearts. Ki chas He says, it's very possible to hear of suffering. And it's not like you don't know what the pain is, right? We hear of poverty, okay? I hope that all of us, you know, have, have, have managed to avoid uh, a situation of abject poverty, but we can, we can dream it up. We can think of what that is to live on the street. We can, maybe it's beyond, you know, the pale of, 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 of what we might be able to imagine, which we have to thank Hashem for even that, if that's true in our lives. But, but, but to feel that, we can, we can think of what that is. We can conjure up an image of what that might be. But it's possible to know intellectually that a person is suffering, but that it doesn't really, doesn't really go in, doesn't really go into the lave. We don't feel it in our hearts. So he says, at least if it's difficult for an indi- to feel each individual's pain, at least when the masses are suffering, we should feel that. Our hearts, like Rabbi Nachman said, he didn't want that a Jew should have a heart of stone. He said famously that Breslov is osios lev basar. comes from a pasuk, a heart of flesh, right? A, a feeling heart. Rabbi Nachman wanted that we should have feeling hearts. That we should have a heart that feels the pain of the world. A heart that's impacted, that doesn't become jaded, that doesn't become numb, that doesn't become, you know, just so overexposed to pain that pain stops meaning anything anymore. Rabbi Nachman wanted us to live in reality and to know that the world is full of suffering. The world is also full of tremendous joy and beauty and wonder. Those two things are true at once. There are seven billion people on this planet. There's a lot going on at any given moment. And at the same moment in time, there are people being born and there are people leaving the world. And there's a great abundance of laughter and a great abundance of crying. And those two things go hand in hand. And my Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know, he sees it all. And, and it all, all of it exists. 
like it exists within ourselves. We have a little bit of pain and a little bit of joy. And it's difficult when somebody asks you, how are you doing, you know, to just sum it up because we, we operate on so many different levels. And, you know, one part of me might be frustrated, but on the other hand, there's a, there's a higher, broader part of me that's able to say, okay, but I'm breathing, right? Baruch Hashem, you know, I have a roof over my head and I have clothing and, and, that, and, that, and that brings me to life and that gives me joy. But both things can be true at once. One need not negate the other. Um, but 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 Al-Kopanim, but Al-Kopanim, there are people that are hurting, right? And 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 Rabbi Nachman wanted that we should be alive to the pain of the world, and we shouldn't be naive to think that there's no suffering. This world is filled with suffering, but we should feel that suffering. We should care about that suffering. That says something to me. That does something to me. That moves me. And even if that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, even if it doesn't mean that I'm able to, to get up right now and to go out and, 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 and march for this cause or for that cause or to devote my life to trying to take care of hunger in Africa, whatever it is. But I should care that there are people starving in Africa. I should care about that. That should bother me. It's not so nice to say, you know, because it's very nuanced and we can't compare and contrast. You know, but the same, we have to ask ourselves, and I, you know, each of us has to ask themselves individually, but I ask myself this all the time. Obviously, all of us, as part of this nation, you know, that very, very, very barely survived, only a few decades ago, barely survived. And all of us, when we read the history, and all of us, when we think about the way in which the world was silent, Right? And like there were certain, certain speakers, certain thinkers, certain historians who each in their own way, Elie Wiesel, A.J. Heschel, you know, there were those that looked at what was going on and they said, you know, in a, in a free society, I think this was a Heschel line, he said, in a free society, few, a few are guilty, but all are responsible. And the silence, that resounding silence is something that made a real difference. And that if they would have felt the Tsar of the Rabbim, it could have made a real difference. And we're upset with the world. Where were you? Why the apathy? Why the silence? But I think at the very same moment, we have to ask ourselves, do, either, do any of us care about the millions of people that are being brutally murdered, you know, or have been in Syria and other places around the world? And if we can't answer that we genuinely care about that, so why should people have cared about us? It's a painful question, but in a moment of honesty, we have to reflect on that, and we have to wonder, you know, how can I have this sort of double standard where I hold the world responsible for not caring about a couple of Jews, not a couple of Jews, millions upon millions, millions upon millions of civilized, good, upright, upstanding people in, uh, in, in Europe, but I, don't, but I don't necessarily care about the plight of, you know, of other peoples around the world. Uh, even if that doesn't move me again and I, and I only have a certain limited amount of resources and as a Jew I want to focus on, on my people and I want to focus on doing chesed with our own, etc. Nobody's saying that everybody needs to stand up and fight for every single cause in the world. The world is filled with causes. But at least that my lave should be yargish ke'e vatsar. There, there are children crying. Right now somewhere there's a kid who's crying. There's a kid who, whose eyes have seen something that, 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 uh, that, that, a, that a child's pair of eyes should never have seen. And that has to hurt me. And if that doesn't hurt me, then there's something wrong. And that's a very, very important, that's a very, very important perspective. And that's what Ibn Ahmed is saying over here. You know, and Allah has our own pain, meaning our own people's pain and the pain of our communities and the pain of Yiddin and the pain of kids and the pain of adults, certainly. But our hearts should be big enough. 
at this point in an interconnected globalized world, our hearts should be big enough that our perspective should be broad enough to be able to bring the pain of the world into the picture. This doesn't mean to become depressed, and this doesn't mean that every single minute of my life I have to be weighed down by the realities of this world. It doesn't mean that. Just because we're exposed to it, it doesn't mean that we have to allow that to, you know, to drag us down. <laughs> the reason being that the same way we're exposed to all the pain of the world, we're also exposed in every minute to all the joy of the world. And the world is filled with both of these things. And the Zohar Kaddish says we have two chambers in our hearts, the right side and the left side. And the right side is filled with rejoicing, and the left side is filled with pain. And like Rav Shlomo used to sing, It's those that are able to march along the way with both joy and tears, with tears and joy, like I spoke about at the Kumzitz. It's those people who will reap the benefits of living a life of feeling, of living a life of being alive of living a life with eyes wide open to every emotional experience of the world is the Bechina of Yaakov Avinu, of course. The Bechir Sheba Avis, right, who was the feeling person who was the human being that felt, that loved intensely, and that, that grew angry intensely uh, and, and, and experienced the whole realm of the human experience. This is what it is to be a Jew. Okay, so this is what Ibn Nachman wants from us. That our hearts should be hearts of flesh, that we should feel the pain of the world. And Rabbi Nachman says, if a person does not feel it's got to bang your head against the wall. Now, it doesn't mean literally. I know what this means is, you got to somehow bang your head, which means intellect, into the walls of your heart. Is brought in another place, to take the intellect that we know, but it's not enough. Rabbi Nachman said it's not enough to just know a lot of things. We have to bring that down into the heart. How do we feel differently now that we learn something new? How does that impact our lived experience? How does that make us more refined? How does that make us more elevated? How does that make us more feeling? That a person, a Jew, needs to bring the intellect down into the heart of Avon And we should understand this very well. And I, and I believe that this is really the Yisod, even though it's some, you know, some obscure, just tucked away little teaching in the 39th uh, slot in Sikh Hasran. This is really the foundation of Rabbi Nachman's whole path. This is really it. What did Rabbi Nachman want from his Hasidim? What did Rabbi Nachman want from the Jewish world? He wanted them to be feeling. He wanted them to be feeling. He wanted them to feel the ups. He wanted them to feel the downs. He wanted them to be alive, not to be dead. Doesn't mean to be dancing every, every, every second, but it means to be living. To mamish be living. That's what he wanted. says afterwards, that the said, which literally means the Chizkiyo turns his face to the wall and davened, Rabbi Nachman says, no, it means deeper. The Chizkiyot turned his face, which of course is a reflection of the Pnim. The Panim is the face, but it's the same letters as Pnim, is the interiority of that which exists beyond the face, behind the face, which is the mind and the intellect. And he drew that down, and he turned that, to the walls of his heart, or hapanim kamuva b'makam acher. It's that intellect, it's that awareness, that consciousness. Rabbi Nachman says, take that and bring that into your heart. That's the sum total of Hasidus. That's the sum total of the Balshamtiv's derech. The yadata hayom 
to become incredibly, incredibly broad in our knowledge, in our awareness, to then allow that to elevate and to transform our hearts. Okay, so that's Sicha Lamed Tess, a very, very beautiful Sicha. I could go on about that for the next hour, but we really need a lot of time for Sicha Mem, okay? But the, but the, but the takeaway from that is, in a world filled with news, and in a world filled with news feeds, it becomes so easy to become numb. And it stops meaning things, you know, because news naturally, because this is human nature, but the news wants to make money like everybody else. And so they pick up dafka on the most shocking and the most atrocious, horrible stories that, that exist, which are far and few between, by the way, in the lived reality of the world, but there are 7 billion people. So <laughs> there's enough, you know, to keep the daily feed pumping. But we live in, a, we live in an overwhelmingly good world. We live in a phenomenally and a phenomenally good world and a good, good society. And it's a nebuch, you know, because the news misrepresents what reality really is. Because on a day-to-day basis, Baruch Hashem, we don't witness atrocities with our own eyes. But if you'd only read the news and you never step foot outside, you would think that, uh, that we live in hell, you know, because we do in a way. We do, but we also live in heaven. And both of those things are true. But because we become so exposed to this steady stream of things, Pain stops meaning anything to us. And when that happens, we lose the princess. When that happens, we lose that youthfulness. When that happens, we, we, lose, we lose everything that makes us human. We become just you know, technical robots that just process information like a computer. So then HaKadosh so Baruch Hu didn't need to create us, but He wanted human beings. Rabbi Nachman says, hold on to your humanity. Hold on to your humanity in whatever little way. Take five minutes and think about the children of the world that are that are starving or that witnessed nebuch, you know, parents, siblings, uh, horrible things. That, like I said, no, no child's eyes should ever have to witness or should ever have to experience. And so long as there's one child in the world that's in pain, that's our achrayas. That's our achrayas. Now, again, if, if we're not going to stand like, you know, like, 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 you know, A.J. Heschel did with Martin Luther King, you know, at the, at the, at the front of the civil rights movement, if, if we're not going to do that in today's iteration of whatever that is, or whatever injustice there is, and we can't do that, and it's not our place, that's a conversation for a separate time. But at least to daven, at least to put a good word in and say, Rabbanu Shalom, here's one Jew who, who's in pain that the world is broken. Here's one Jew that's in pain, that there are people who I'll never meet and who know, who know nothing about Jews. But it's my responsibility as a person that each of us have to believe that the world was created for us. What does that mean for us? To satisfy all of our urges and desires? No. Rabbi Nachman says the world was created for us to fix. That's what it means for us. It was created for us to fix. And Rabbi Nachman says if you can't fix it, daven for it. At least, or even at most, maybe. But to daven for the world, to daven for the world. Every single day, three times a day, or at least in one Shemana Esri at the end. Daven for the world. What do you think Aleinu is? That's what Aleinu is. It's a tefillah for the rectification of the world. That's what it is to be a Jew. It's to feel, is to feel, is to feel. And to bring that up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on wings of prayer. That's Lamites. Okay, now let's jump into Sichas around Mem, which is a very, very long piece, like I said. So we need a lot of Siyat Rishmaya. We're going to do our best to get to the end. And we'll try our best. It's so all that we can do. Eilech va'anasa, like the Viceroy says in the story. Okay, Sichas around Mem. Be'inin sifra Back to the Indian of Emuna, back to the, uh, the, the, the sugya, and the conversation about philosophy vis-a-vis mysticism, vis-a-vis revelation, vis-a-vis simple faith as opposed to a sophisticated kind of intellectualization or, you know, sort of an academic approach 
to, uh, to whether or not God exists. We've discussed this in the past many times in the series. But this is really the piece. This is the, you know, Sicha Mem. It's a famous Sicha. It's a long Sicha. And it begins like this. We've already discussed many times about these works that, like I said, are sophistic, sophisticated philosophical works on the nature of the spiritual realm and the nature of the deity, the creator. We've already learned many times in our writings that it's forbidden to busy oneself with them. And it's a waste of time and somebody needs to distance himself from them. Not to learn those works. And not to look into them at all. And he's not even talking about secular works of philosophy. Even the works that were written by Gedoyle Yisrael. And Chaimaran, he enumerates more. Nevuchim, obviously, from the Rambam um, by name. And other, and other works that are lesser known. But this is obviously the major one. That according to Rabbi Nachman, it was forbidden to look into these works at all. Of course, this is a matter of contention because the Rambam likely held that it was permitted <laughs> to look in, into Mar Nevuchim. Rabbi Nachman said it was forbidden. For his chassidim. This is what the Rabbi says. Isser gadol ma'od lul He says it's very, very forbidden to learn them. And Kfar Mavur become a svarim and it's brought already in many svarim. It's famous at the Maral and the Vilna Goyen in his Bira Hagran on Yeridea, very famously spoke very strongly about the Rambam and some of his beliefs that he felt, and many feel, had been influenced by Aristotelian uh, metaphysics. How damaging and how forbidden it is to study these words. This is not the Jewish way. This is not the way that our grandparents walked throughout history. We have no connection with works like this. We talked at length last week and previous weeks about the importance of simple faith, about the importance of just being ma'aminim, that we don't believe in Torah and mitzvahs because we might be able to think up reasons and the tzaddikim were able to reveal reasons, even the Kabbalistic-oriented tzaddikim were able to reveal certain tamiya mitzvahs, but that's not why we do it, because we understand it. We do it without understanding. Isn't the foundation of our acceptance of the Torah nase and then nishma? This is the way of 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 of, uh, of Am Yisrael. So Rabbi Nachman says, We have no essential connection with works like this. Our faith is simple. Our faith is the faith not of one who needs to take a leap in order to believe in something, but of one who discovers the truth of who he is. And that's not an intellectual knowledge. It's a knowledge of being able to feel it from within. It's an experiential awareness more than it is a faith. Without any sophistication, that God created this world. And He sustains this world. And He, in the future, is going to, is destined to renew his world. But he says the way of these works is they begin with a million questions and that seem like really strong questions, paradoxes and difficult things and impossibilities in terms of our faith and, and the tenets of our faith that seem like very big questions. Now, the only reason they ask, they ask these questions is so that if a person should have them, they deliver an answer. That's the point. They don't want to trap people in questions. These were written by tzaddikim. But whatever answer they give, 
because ultimately we're not going to be able to understand certain things that are beyond the realms of time and space and the limitations of the human mind and the nature of the infinite creator precludes our ability to ever understand. And so whatever answer they give is weak because these are not questions that are meant to be answered. And these are questions that necessitate faith. And so when we go ahead and we have this element of, a, of an answer that's given with the sort of presumption that these are questions that couldn't be answered, so then a person will just throw the, the whole thing away. When Misha writes Al-Akhir Yaisir, Ben-Akhman says that a person who wants to press the issue and a person is not going to be satisfied with this question, like the Chazanish famously said, most questions are answers, right? Most questions are not questions, most questions are answers. And they come in the form of a question, but they're already just built on the preconceived lack of acceptance. And so the question comes in the form of a question, but it's really an answer and it tells us more about the person than the person wants to know about Yiddishkeit. So he says, if a person wants to press past that and not accept the question, so then he'll continue and he'll move past beyond the boundary of that particular treatment of that concept in the Sefer. And the Sefer doesn't go on to the next page, but he will. And he will wipe away the question. I'm sorry, wipe away the answer. And then and then the, the answer won't help him. And so if you want to build your Yiddishkeit, and if I want to build my Yiddishkeit off of things that I'm able to understand, it's a very, very weak foundation. And all I need is one little Yitzharla, and it pushes me off the mountain because I was standing already on the edge. Because I built, I set up shop on the edge. But a person who has nothing to do with questions answers, Loma Anyanoti. Loma Anyanoti. This is what I believe. And I believe it because my father believed it and his father before him. And I believe it because the Jewish nation, at the essence, like the Balatanya says, and we've learned this, believes. And we have an Amuna Misuseris within us. And we understand as part of our faith that, that doubt is okay. And that there's room for doubt, radical as that sounds. There's room for doubt. And that's part of the Jewish experience. There's an Amalek in the world, Amalek Amatria Safik. And Akadosh Baruch Hu set the system up so that there should be unanswerable questions. And that's the union of the Chalal HaPanoi, of the vacant space. And that's where faith go. Adara, but that's not where I lose my faith. That's where my faith helps me. That's where Amuna enables me to transcend that gap and, and, and rise even higher, like we learned. So a person like that is, is, is founded on firm ground, terra firma. A person like that is not going to simply allow his whole structure to shake because of one little small question. Obeemes, Rabbi Nachman says, anyway, all of these questions, they don't exist. And it's all shtuyot, and it's all, it's all, it's all hevel, it's all vanity. When held up against the emes lamito, that this world was created, and this world is sustained. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu is not a philosophical God of a first cause and a first power of this, you know, sort of unfeeling energy that brings everything into existence. Kodesh Baruch Hu is an emotional God. He's a feeling God. He's a God that Sichalamites applies to even more than it applies to you and me, right? He's a God who feels the pain of the world. And he's a God who's a personal God that wants a relationship with each and every one of us. He's a God in search of man, right? He's a God who wants a relationship with us and pursues us and created us because he was lonely and he wants us to keep him company. And he wants us to create for him a dwelling place in this world. That's the truth. And everything else is Sheker. He says, what we see, people who simply don't care about the Svarim Akdashim. People who understand that there's something called Arizal, who understand there's something called the Ramak and the Rashash and the Chaim Vital. And Lo Ba'an doesn't matter to them. They don't care. 
Pile plois. They're, they're, they're wonders upon wonders upon wonders of a truth that runs deeper than any possible other perspective on reality. A million miles beyond that. Two billion miles beyond that. Wonders, wonders of wonders. That illuminate one's eyes, elevate one's consciousness. The sweetest, sweetest taste of, 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 of what Chazal say. I'm not sure if it's Chazal, but the Rishonim say, right? There's no joy like the joy of, 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 of clarifying a doubt. And that's what this, these svarim are. It's just the clarification of doubt in the sweetest way. And they're drawn after the, ra- the quote-unquote rationalistic approach to Yiddishkeit. And they want to, everything they want to analyze in a way of academics, in a way of, in a way of intellectualism. Da, says Rabbi Nachman, a very strong thing here. Zeo machmas mizgam. He says that it's because of their mezek, it's because of their spiritual nature or orientation. Ki mizgam betivam hu Because it must mean that there's something, something a little bit off in terms of their spiritual nature. Menatoylada, shenoylad b'mezegara, must mean that they were brought into the world and we learned this similarly about those that are drawn after Averis. If you remember, we learned that a couple of weeks ago, that there are people that, because of a certain lack of purity and the way in which which their bodies were brought into this world and the relationship between their parents, that could cause a certain impurity that's built into the physical system that can be overcome, like Rabbi Nachman says over here, but ultimately will prevent naturally that soul from accessing these truths. Um, again, this is one perspective. We've learned other perspectives from the other tzaddikim, even in the context of this series, where there are those who have already learned this chilek of Torah in previous, in previous Gilgulim, and so they don't need it. And they need dafka to, to, you know, to run after the pshat. But pshat doesn't need to preclude emunah pshuta. Those two things can be true at once. But if Yerba Nachman is speaking dafka about the, uh, the tradition of, of mysticism, the tradition of the Zohar Kaddish and of the Ariza, so Yerba Nachman says that they were born in this mezagarash. They can't handle something that's truly holy. Yerba Nachman says everybody has free choice. Everybody has Bechira. And everybody can shatter that nature. But because they were born with this nature, it's going to be hard. going to have to handle a lot of bitterness to overcome. To overcome this nature that finds it very difficult to really be mevatel, you know, to more abstract truths and to truths that require a little bit of faith. And they have a nature to question everything two billion times and not to, not to, and not, and not to, certain, to just accept certain things from tzaddikim because they came from tzaddikim, etc. It's a mezagra. And they can overcome this, but it takes a little bit of bitterness because it's, it's not naturally their nature to be able to open up to teachings like this. Fortunate is the person that was born in a way of Kedusha, in a way of Kedusha. And uh, who am I to say, you know, but I believe that after the Holocaust, Am Yisrael was born in Kedusha, even if not in the classical sense. The parents bringing children into the world after our nation was destroyed, this generation was Noilid B'Kedusha. Even if not in, in, in physical Kedusha, whatever it is, our generation is ready. Our generation is ready in a way that We've never been before. We've mamash never been before. So open, so natural to us, so natural. I was speaking to somebody today about a certain person 
that had a, had a difficult time, you know, and, and okay, classically, by classical definition, went off the derech. And, uh, you know, so the person was asking me some, 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 whatever about this person. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and the question was put to me, you know, so what happened? You know, what kind of trauma or what kind of, you know, pain? And, and, and you know, obviously there must have been some event. And I said, Mamish not. I said, there was no, there was no trauma. Person has a great relationship with, with that person's parents. There was no trauma. It's just that person wasn't given what his neshama needed in our educational system. That's all, that's all it was. There was, no, there was no, you know, bells and whistles. It was just a plain old case of a soul that was deprived of what it needed for its survival. And this is the nature of our generation. Our generation it was noilid bikadusha. We're open like never before to the deepest depths of, of Torah and, and, and Yiddishkeit and perspective and broad-mindedness. And we're not given it, you know? And so, of course, kids, kids, kids go off the derech. They don't go off the derech. They go off our derech. You know, the one that we think that they need to walk on, but they're looking for a different derech. And it's up to us, you know, to reinvent the derech so that, uh, so that our kids already find themselves on it and don't need to go anywhere, you know. They're on the derech, they're on their derech. And it's one that we better get around, you know, to figure out how to align ourselves with that derech. But this generation is no little kazeh. Very, very holy, very holy generation. A very wondrous generation. We're ready. So Rabbi Nachman goes on and he says, kushis. He says, I'll give you an example. He says, one kind of question that's asked in these works, which Rabbi Nachman, by the way, was, a, was, a, was, was, a, was an expert in. Rabbi Nachman said that the tzaddik emes, in Torah Samach Ta'ala and the Kutumran, that tzaddik emes, the true tzaddik, he dafka needs to go into this place. And he dafka needs to reveal that even in this place of kfira, and even in this place of questions, even there there's faith. And he's masakin that chalal hapanui, that vacant space with the song of the tzaddik, the song of faith. You'll look in, in, in the Kutumran, the 64th lesson, where he goes to, at great lengths to talk about this nikuda. Rabbi Nachman says here, I'll give you one example of the questions in the Sefer. They ask questions about different elements in creation. Why is a star a star? Right, or something a little bit more spiritual that becomes manifest in the planets. Why is a mazel a, a luck, right, or a constellation, or um, a, uh, there's a word I'm looking for now, um, but why is a mazal a mazal? And what sin did a worm do that a worm should have been created a worm? Animals, wild animals. Why wasn't it the opposite? That this, this, this star should be a worm and this worm should be a star. It's like what, what's the rhyme or reason for this? For this, uh, this seder of things, that things don't appear to have a seder. And it doesn't appear fear, a fair. Why, was, why were the molecules of my head, why were the molecules of my head created to become my head? And Dafka, it was those molecules of my developing embryo that became legs, and this part of the body became a head. Why? Why wasn't it the opposite? That whatever makes up my head should have been my feet, my feet should have been my head. And he says, as is known, that these sfarim are filled with questions like this. So, says Rabbi Nachman, of course, I call Hevel Ruzrach. What are you wasting your time asking questions like that? Is if you're going to find an answer, are you the creator? Are you the one that, you know, that could have brought this whole thing into being? That you are positioned to decide what should be where or to question the one who decided where things should be? What answer do you think you're going to get? From whom? 
from the silent God that doesn't speak, certainly not about these things and certainly not to a person who asks questions like this, but, but rather to a person who opens his or her heart and mind up to, 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 to those things that HaKadosh Baruch already did without questioning. What's the function? Rabbi Nachman says it's all it's all hevel It's futile to go ahead and challenge and to ask these things of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Tzadik v'yashru. Everything that he did was tzadik, was righteous, was yashar. Rabbi Nachman says, listen. Let me tell you the truth. If you're curious about why things are the way that things are, let me tell you a secret. Nothing is the way that it is. Listen to Rabbi Nachman's answer to this question once we're on the topic. And this is the secret of the dreidel. Rabbi Nachman says you should know. Everything, everything, everything is revolving all the time. Shakarin, they wrote Sivivon, but it really originally obviously is dreidel. Right? Shakarin, dreidel. So anytime we see Sivivon, which is the Hebraic sort of, you know, uh, form of dreidel, but we're going to say dreidel because that's how it is in the original. The whole world is a dreidel. Everything revolves. And everything is constantly revolving all the time. And And people are becoming angels. Angels are becoming people. Every aspect of the world, which is the element of a head, is becoming feet, and feet are becoming heads. Everything is spinning around, spinning around, and becoming transformed, and switching from one to the other, and one to the other. Everything, everything is revolving all the time. We're just not aware of it. And so we think that certain elements are what they are, but the truth is everything's being switched. Everything's being swapped out all the time. It's a very, very amazing concept. Because what do we know about most of the objective world? How do we know that the Niagara Falls that we see one day is the same Niagara Falls as, as the next day? How do we know that? How do we know the Niagara Falls um, one day that is Niagara Falls as it exists isn't actually a whole herd of buffalo somewhere in say buffalo, right? How do we, how do we know? And, and, and that, that all of a sudden the next day, somehow HaGadosh Baruch Hu takes that energy, re, re, revamps it, reforms it, and it becomes something else. What do we know about, about the world? What do we know about the way things are? Rabbi Nachman says like this, he says, in truth, and this is very deep, there's a spiritual source, and this is what the Mikubalim, the emanationists, the Mikubalim, brought to the fore, this understanding of creation as a process of progression, but everything progresses from one source. And in that source, all of the variations that mix and combine in compounds to create the physical world around us, these elements of fire, of water, of earth, and of wind, the elements of domim, somea, chaim, adaber, inanimate, plant life, animal kingdom, and, and human beings. But everything comes from echad yachonim yucha. That's our fundamental belief. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, even that which is Elokeinu, even that which is teva, even that which is natural, even that which is externally apparent. And the world around us is filled with a multifarious conglomeration of different elements. Hashem Echad, everything is one. Kiesh Nivdalim, says Rabbi Nachman, there's the element of creation that's called Nivdalim, which literally means from the word Havdala, right, or Hevdal, it means removed, separate from, Dahainu Malachim, which are angels. Shaheim Nivdalim, Lagamri Menachomer, they're called that because they are completely and entirely separated from physicality. That's the highest level of creation. Viesh Galgalim, and then there are the Galgalim, which really means, you know, circles. 
right? Like a galgal is a wheel. They are physical, but their physicality is very, very, very um, slight, right? It's very, very slight. It's very, very delicate. It's very purified form of physicality. So it's a step lower than the angels, but it's still a step higher than the physical world. And that's going to be like the mazalos, right? The constellations and, uh, and you know, what colloquially is called the zodiac, but they're, they're, you know, they are found in, 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 the, in the works of Kabbalah. Um, whether the world knows what to do with those or not, that's a separate conversation. But the 12 mazalos, right, which are connected to the 12 months of the year, all of those are called are called uh, are called the Indian of Galgalim, right? Which are sort of a, a halfway point between physical and completely spiritual. And then we have the Asia Olam Shuffle. Then we have this physical world, the Hainu Zeha Olam Shuffle, this completely physical world, Shuchomer Gamur, which is completely corporeal. Of course, they all emanate from a specific place, and everything goes back to the four letters of Yudke Vavke, as is enumerated very, very dearly and sweetly in the lengthy note. Of Rav Chaim son of Itzel of between the first and second chalakim of Nefesh Chaim, it's called Hagar Hagas Maritz, I believe. And over there, he speaks about the Nekud of Tselem, and he speaks about how those three letters Tselem correlate to the first three letters of Yud Kevav, K Yud Kevav, and then the final Hey is the Kli for all of these elements. But these three letters, the Yud, the K, and the Vav, correlate to these three elements: to the Nivdalim, to the angels to the element of the Galgalim, and then to the element of the shuffle of the physical world. And Rabbi Nachman says over here, everything comes from its specific place. But in the source, everything is one. Therefore, because everything is drawn from one unified source, everything is always revolving all the time, switching from one to the other, from one to the other. Right now, this thing, a certain object or a certain element of uh, an element of creation, is the is the roish, is the tap, is the elevated part, and something else is a lowly element. the element of a foot. But afterwards, everything becomes switched around. Because again, everything draws on one source. So why shouldn't everything become? able to be transformed. We find this idea of a person being able to become an angel, and we find angels becoming Adam. Like we find, that angels were cast down from heaven onto the physical world, and they became literal people. Because the psukim say that they went ahead and cohabited with the with, with the with the with the woman that they saw, and so that would mean that they actually took on physical form. So we find that angels could become people. And he says, the opposite is also true. That there were angels that came in this world. Right? There are people that became angels. People that became angels. Because the world is always flipping around one to the next. It's one big dreidel. It's one big mix of things that 
become blended within the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when you spin it fast enough, it again reflects the unity from which it derives, which is a very, very deep thing. We'll get back to that, to that in a minute. Everything is one. So I just want to go down to the notes first before we get to the end of the piece. And two fascinating pieces, one from the Yalkut Shemayni. This is really an amazing teaching. Mamash, an amazing teaching about those malachim that were sent down to the world, right? And that became lowly and they became the Nephilim. And we learned that at the very end of Parshas Barishas that the giants, right? These were the giants, Mimei Oilam, that, 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 that were the progeny, the children, and the offspring of these angels that were sent down to this world that took on human form. So the Heilig Yalkut says like this, listen to this, Mamish mind-blowing. Shalu Talmidav es Rabbi Yosef. The Talmidim asked Rabbi Yosef, Mao Azel. There's this name, Azel, in different, in different, um, uh, in different girsas, it's actually Azazel, that they were asking him, what is Azazel? Which is more likely than, the, than them asking him about this name, but it could be they were learning about this name. But I think they were asking him about Azazel, because you'll see from the last line that it makes sense they were asking what Azazel was. Amr he said, Kivin the Pasuk says that when the, when the generation of the flood was serving of Adazar, was stealing, was Shrikhazdam, Gilea Rais, like we learned about in our Tash series in, uh, in Parshas Noach, Misa'atsev Miyad, right? Misa'atsev. HaKadosh Baruch became a little bit sad, whatever that means. Amdu Shnei Malachim, two angels stood up. Sham Chazai, this name Sham Chazai, Ba'az El or Azazel, which was a Malach. Ba'amr Lufanam, and they said before him, Rebbe Nishalalam, Halei Amarna Lufanecha, didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you? We told you so. We told you when you were creating the world. What do you want with this thing called a human being? What are you doing? Why are you creating this world? They're going to sin. So good, but what's going to be with the world? Right? If I don't save humanity by keeping Noach and his three sons and family in the boat. What's going to be with the world? Amalei, they said, don't, don't worry. They said, we'll, we'll, we'll uphold the world. Send us down and we'll, uh, and we'll, show, we'll show humanity how it's done. Amalei HaKadosh Baruch said, good. I want you to know that it's revealed before me. That if you were to live in the world for one day, you'd fail much more strongly than the, uh, than the, than the human beings failed. Try it. We'll send you down for a day. We'll see how you do. I love this medrash. Listen to this. They said, give us permission. Let us dwell with humanity. You'll see how we'll sanctify your name in this world with the best of intentions. Mamish, you didn't know what they were getting themselves into. It sounds cute from our perspective. Very nice, Malachim. Okay, come and see what fun we're having here. Yeah, it sounds very idealistic, right? Armalei Redu. HaKadosh Baruch said, great, go down. And go dwell with people. The <laughs> thirty seconds later, it's like miyad. Like they didn't no stops along the way. Miyad They saw a couple of women. And 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 they couldn't and they couldn't reign in their desires. And uh, and and that was the end of that story. They didn't last a minute. They didn't last a minute. So we need to give ourselves a little bit of chizik. It's such a chizik, this medrash, right? Because we want to be mekadashim shemayim. And guess what? We do 
99.9% of the time. We're also human beings, and we fall from time to time, and uh, and 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 you know, and, and we go through what we go through. We have to understand that the angels above, you know, couldn't 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 do much better when they were given the opportunity. The Medrash says that Shem Chazai returned. And he did tshuva, whatever that means. And he hung himself between the heaven and earth with his feet above and his head below. And he's still hanging out there, quite literally, and metaphorically, in tshuva. And Azel, which we're saying is Azazel, this Malach did not do tshuva. And he's still at it. And he's still in this kind of existence of Kilgul, and to go ahead and to cause people to sin. And he shows up a big day and you know immoral clothing of of, of women. And this is why we go ahead and we bring these karbonas, Kippur, and that's why I said his name was Azazel, Ayel Echad Lashem. One carbon we're bringing the Ayla Hashem Shiyachapra Yisrael to go ahead and to atone for for Am Yisrael va Ayla Echad la Azazel and one we're bringing for Azazel Shiyizbel and Eseim Shal Yisrael vu Azazel Shabatayra and this is the Azazel that's referred to in the Torah was this Malach that was sent down at the end of Parshas Bereishis who came down with the best of intentions to be Mekadeshim Shemayim but then learned very quickly what, what this world is all about and then the Halakha Pardes teaches us about the opposite and this is also a very beautiful uh, sort of sort of uh, sort of expression we'll do this quickly. And the Sefer Echalais, Amar Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yishmael says, He says, I asked this Malach called Matat, I pronounced the whole name, it's a certain Malach. Why are you on such a high level that this Malach is, is called Shmoy Kishem Rabbi? He's, he's very, very, very high kind of Malach. That a Kaddish Baruch Hu sort of manifests within to go ahead and to run the six days of the week and the governance of this world. It's associated with Zera Anpin. It's a very high level. Matat. Why are you zoichet to such a thing? You're the highest Malach. You're bigger than any of the other spiritual forces. You're more elevated and mechubad than all of the legions of, 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 uh, of angels. And you're much bigger than all of the others in terms of your greatness and your kingship and your honor. Hey Shiv, he answered, and he said to me, and this is Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol speaking, the Talmud of Rabbi Akana, and he says, I am Chanoich Ben Yeret. Which we speak about at the end of Parshas Bereshis, who was told Dara Mabel when the Dara Mabel made their error and started to live in an inappropriate way, and they said to God, essentially, get away from us. Baruchu took me from them. Rashi brings this down into Targum Yerushalmi as well. Leos Elias aid alayim to be a witness behind them. Bishmei marim above lechol bay oylem. The kivin shenel kachani akadosh baruch as the pasuk says ki laka choisay lekim that akadosh baruch took him because and this was chanaich because. I was taken to service the Kisei HaKavit as Galgal HaMerkava and the Galgal of the Merkava as called Sarchi HaShchina and all of the needs of the Shechina. Miyad, listen to what happened to this person. He was an individual. He was a human being. 
Nehepach besari el shal heves. My flesh became a torch. And my veins and sinews became became like glowing coals. And the, and the light of my eyes became mamish like an illumination of planets. And the, and the sockets of my eyes was this ring of fire around them. My hair became just an incredible lahat, an incredible flickering flickering con, uh, con, conflagration, lahava, and a torch, and my whole, all my limbs became wings of fire, Boeres, uh, uh, burning wings of fire, and my form, became also the dancing, flickering fire, from my right hand was shooting out, you know, incredible streams of fire, and from my left hand, torches of fire, Around me, an incredible wind, hot wind of ash and fire is blowing around me. The coal rash and a tremendously loud sound. The ram goes out from before me and from and and from behind me. And so this is just an image, a little bit of imagery to think about what happened to this individual Chanoich when he was taken up, and how his whole being turned into just all these different kinds of fire. I found that fascinating. So upon him, you see that there are those that became different things. There were angels that became human, there were human that became angels, things switch. So Rabbi Nachman continues and he says, This is why on Chanukah we are playing with the dreidel. Because Chanukah is the element of the Beis HaMikdash. And when we're going ahead and we're lighting the Menorah, it's mamish, not that we're lighting the Menorah as a commemoration in Mitzvah the Rabbanon, we're lighting the Menorah of the Beis HaMikdash. Ram Nassim says that what we ordinarily do, Aliyah L'Regel, for the three Amim Tovim of Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, on Purim and Chanukah, but specifically Chanukah, we become the Beis HaMikdash. And HaKadosh Baruch who comes to be Oyla L'Regel to us. And He comes to visit our house, and that's the Sod of our lighting, the Menorah, L'Matame Asara Tavachim, a place where the Gemara and Sukkah says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shechina never comes throughout the year, but He comes to visit us in our homes. Hashem is Oyla L'Regel on Chanukah. He comes, you know where He comes? To the Beis HaMikdash that is our house. So the whole thing of Chanukah is the Chanukah's Beis HaMikdash. The whole story was about the restoration and the rededication of the Beis HaMikdash. That's why it's called Chanukah. It's the Chanukah's Habayis. It's the rededication of the Beis HaMikdash that was rebuilt afterwards and the Menorah is the Menorah of the Beis HaMikdash. And he says, you know what the Beis HaMikdash was? It was a place of faith. It was a place where you walked in and you understood that there's one Shorish, there's one spiritual root to everything in creation and everything goes up and down and everything is switching and we don't know anything. We can't say anything definitive about this world because the Kodesh Baruch Hu has manic this world in such a way where everything is always switching from one thing to the next and things are things are happening all the time. Like we said, the turning wheel, the wheel of life and the wheel of Gilgulim and the wheel of how things turn and the bottom becomes the top. I'm sorry, yes. That's how Kodesh Baruch was constantly changing things around. And that was the Beis HaMikdash embodied. The Beis HaMikdash was a place where what was below became elevated to above and what was above became brought down to below. And that means that that a flame came down from heaven but the Karbanos would be eaten and the would go up. And that was the Beis HaMikdash was, the, was, the, was everything going down and everything going up. 
And in the Hepech, Right, or rather, Ki Hashem Yisbarach Hishru Shchinasa B'Mishkan Hashem descended into the Mishkan of Abayis HaMikdash Shizavachinas HaYoyim Lamata This is another element, the primary element of that which is above coming down below B'Vachin LaHepech, the opposite is also true called Siyur the Mishkana The whole form of the Mishkan of the Abayis HaMikdash HaKala Yerushan Lamala Everything was above, everything was arranged in the format of spiritual forces above B'Zabachinas Tachtoinim Lamala We were able to elevate the physical world and to make it out of pillars and out of sheets and out of all these different Materials, but the, and and carbonus, the most physical elements of this world, and to elevate it above. She says, dreidel, and he says, this is the inner dreidel. That everything constantly is switching. Everything is constantly spinning. Ah, oh, this is so deep. This is so deep. I wish I had another hour to talk about this. Now I don't. But we might have to go a little bit over time. It's, this is so deep. I'm going to reveal a little bit of the Amkas here, but let's first finish the piece. Because again, in, in accordance with sophisticated philosophizing, how does the mind understand that? That the infinite God should constrict himself to come into a physical building? The mind can't, can't comprehend it. How does that even work? HaGadosh Baruch was infinite. What does that mean that he is found by the Koisalam HaRavi that we spoke about? What does that mean that the Shechina Shore in a certain place? What does that mean? But HaGadosh Baruch who showed up in a place of faith to say you're right doesn't make sense using your intellect. Doesn't make sense with academic knowledge. But I'll call Panim. Hashem says, Afal Pikin, I came down and I put myself in this building. That... Because Hashem did dwell and does dwell in the Mishkan of the Beis Hamikdash. How could it be that a human being has the ability to impact all the spiritual realms above? It's so distant. That a lowly person that we can have an impact above or that an animal, a physical animal, is able to have an impact in the worlds above. So we should bring the carbon. The carbon should and Hashem should have some pleasure from this. What does this mean? This is not. This is not rational. The mind can't understand that. That we're doing what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do, and that's enough. How does it make sense that Hashem wants something and beforehand the Kaddish Baruch was angry and now we placate the Kaddish Baruch's anger? God doesn't change, God can't change. So the philosophical mind can't reconcile any of these things and they remain questions. So we need Amunah. The Beis Hamikdash is the place where all this went down, which means the Beis Hamikdash was the place of faith. It was the place of everything switching around, everything going back to its one unified root. It was the place of faith. It was the place of faith. And that's what Hanukkah is. But he says, That's the truth. did do this. And he says that if you bring a carbon, it makes me happy. Whatever that means, it makes him happy. This is the Nikud of a dreidel. And this is why we're playing with a dreidel on Chanukah because Chanukah is the Vachin of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash was the whole thing. The Beis HaMikdash was the place of faith in which everything was flipping around and that which was above came down below and that which was below went up above and it made no sense but it was just the faith of understanding that this is what HaKadosh Baruch wants and so this is how things are. And so we play with the dreidel because the dreidel is that element 
element of everything switching around, everything switching around. Everything's constantly in motion. Everything's constantly revolving in this world of faith, even though it doesn't make sense to, our philosoph- to, to the philosophical mind. So he finishes, There's one other element in creation that we didn't discuss before that's called hiuli, which in, in, in English is called heil, right? And the Greek philosophers actually spoke about this, paradoxically enough. They also spoke about this thing called heil, but, and the, the, the word hiuli is taken from their Greek heil, but the Ramban brings it, and right in the beginning of Parashas Bereshit, if you look in the, in the Parashas uh, Ramban on the word bara, Bereshit's bara elikim, and the Ramban goes at length to speak about this material called hail. And it's a sort of silly putty, you know, spiritually, that can be used to create anything. It is not nothing, it's a yesh, but from it can be formed any possible f- a kind of creation. Esh, mine, rach, afar, domem, semeachayim, adaber, anything. It all comes from this non-material, which is a material, but it's a non-material. But from it, everything is made. This is called hiuli. Look in the Ramban, you'll see over there on Parshas Barashas on the word bara. But he says this is the thing that's called, it's called hiuli. And so he says like this, he says it's the aspect of the, of the midpoint between potential and actuality. Everything first exists within the potential for the thing to exist, spiritually. And then it becomes practically created. When it leaves the realm of potential, so it's not nothing, but it's not something yet, but it's not nothing. Before coming in to the element of actuality, it enters into this stage of being hayal, which is in between the koach and the po. Which is the unified source that we were making reference to before that Akadosh Baruch Hu uses, like the material that he uses to form everything in creation. Everything comes out of this non-material, this material which is associated with the spiritual world of Bria, which is Yesh Me'ayin, but we're not getting into that now. But, that, but everything is sourced in Bria. Everything is sourced in Bina, which is the, the level of Hiyuli. Everything begins in this element of Hiyuli. And everything that comes out then is fit into three categories. Either it's the union of Nivdal, which is the completely spiritual beings like angels, or it's the Nakuda of Galgalim, which we spoke about as being those sort of in-between spiritual and physical, which is the Mazalis, the constellations as manifest in different planets and, and planetary bodies. And then Shvalim, which is everything in our physical world. And then again, the divisions continue within our physical world. Domim Tzmeyachayim Adaber. And within those, there are divisions and so on and so forth. But everything begins at the Shairish is Hiuli. The Kulam Choyzim Chalila. And again, everything is always turning. Everything, 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 everything is turning. Because at the source, everything is one. So why not? Why shouldn't a chair become a, a, become a cow? And why shouldn't that cow then become a pair of scissors? Why not? Everything comes from the Echad Yachad Miuchad. Why shouldn't that be possible? Nothing is set in motion the way that we see, or set in stone rather, the way that we see it. Everything is Enod Mavada. Why shouldn't everything be switching all the time? And with this we'll finish. I apologize for going a little bit over time. And this is the letters that are written on the dreidel. This is unbelievable. Sheim, Nun, Gimel, Hey, Shin. 
All of us know why is Nun Gimel Heishin? Because Nes Gadol Haya Sham. In Eretz Yisrael, it's a pay. They switched that. Nes Gadol Haya Poi, right? But ultimately, throughout the Galuyas, all the dreidels had a Nirav. And Achman's dreidel certainly had Nun Gimel Heishin, which was Nes Gadol Haya Sham. Says Rabbi Nachman, I'll give you a new Rosh Tevis. These four letters are Rosh Tevis Hiyuli, which is the unified source from which everything comes. That's the He. Nin, the Nun is the Nivdal, is the element of the angels. The Gimel is Galgal, which is the realm of the constellations. And then the Shin is Shuffle, is our physical world. Nun, Gimel, Heishin, Hiyuli, the unified source. And then the three general categories of creation that come from it, which is Nivdal, Galgal, Shuffle, Nun, Gimel, Hei, Shin. Shame, Klau, Kol, Habria, which include everything in creation. Everything. You won't find anything in creation that doesn't fit into one of these three categories. And he says, Shekulam Chayzrim Chalila. Everything is spinning. Everything is spinning around. Everything, 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 everything is constantly switching one thing to the next because everything is going back to the source. Because the Kodesh Baruch Hu fills everything and he's the Echad Yachirim Yuchad. Shazem Rumas Bechanaka. And he says, that's why we're using the dreidel dafkan Chanukah. Because again, it's the Chanukah's base Hamikdash, and the base Hamikdash is the place of El Yoinim Lamata and Tachtoinim Lamala. Shishamoi Bechinas, El Yoinim Lamata and Tachtoinim Lamala. Shishabachinas dreidel, Bechinas Gagala Choyzer, Shinishapam Bechinazulazu, the Bechinazu, Omizulazu, for everything is switching, because everything is going back to the Shirish, because we believe that there's a creator of this world, and we therefore believe that everything, everything is able to draw back on that original force and can become something else. And this is the redemption. This is the primary essence of the redemption. This is what it means to come back to the Mikdash. It means to come back to faith. It means to go ahead and to be existing in a situation where all of a sudden, like Rabbi Nachman says, that it's possible that everything can turn around for the good. How can it turn around for the good? Situations are set. And if I'm in a situation by nature where I'm stuck in my personal limitations, it is what it is. Says Rabbi Nachman, you know what redemption means? To realize nothing is what it is. Nothing is what it is. And in a moment, everything can change because HaKadosh Baruch Hu fills all. And if you draw back on that elemental source, on that Hiyuli, everything is possible. That's the redemption. That's the redemption that brings us back to the Besamikdash, the place of faith. And he says, this is the Pshat and the Pasuk, the Alkain, because Yatsim Yimitzrayim, when they left Mitzrayim, take if Bashir Sayyam, what did they say? To the aim of a set the aim of Baharnachalascha. Bring us and implant us on the mountain of your inheritance, which is the Besamikdash. Because redemption is bound up with this element of the Beis HaMikdash. One minute they're slaves, the next minute they're free men on top of the world. How does that happen? Because of Echad Yachad Miyuchad. We can draw on the source, we can be anything. And they already were talking about the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Because that would, that's what it means to be redeemed. Because over there in that place, everything is switching around. Because everything is one. And that's the redemption. Everything is one. The realization that God fills all. And that everything draws on Him. And therefore, anything can change. And anything can be different. And we don't 
have a question. Why was a head a head and not a foot? Because what do we know about the head being a head and the foot being a foot? Everything is switching around all the time and HaKadosh Baruch Hu has his plan. And this is one example where Rabbi Nachman is saying one example of a question in philosophical works that just doesn't start to the faith-oriented person. It's just not a question. It's not a question. Everything, everything, everything is switching. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is running the world in the most wondrous way. We'll speed read through the end and I want to tell you two things and we'll come to a close. So Rabbi Nachman says this also shows up in the Kutumran Tanyana Torah Zion, which I bless us to be able to learn together. So Rabbi Nachman says over here, there are also Rosh Tevis, another Rosh Tevis, which reference Geula, you have redeemed the Shevet Nachlasecha, your nation, Hartsia, in a reference to the Beis HaMikdash, also Rosh Tevis, Nun, Gimel, He, Shin, the four letters on the dreidel, which are Hiyuli, Nivdal, Galgal, Shuffle, also, a reference to the redemption, because that's the redemptive consciousness, is this consciousness of oneness. An amazing piece. Very lengthy Torah over there. We speak about over there also what goes up and what goes down and up and down. In Chanukah, we speak about Chanukah. This is the concept of those forces that surround in that lesson. Also, circular, the dreidel. Okay, that's for a different time. We'll learn all that. Okay, but we go back to the first thing that we started with. And again, this is the culmination of Rabbi Nachman's teachings on Amuna as they show up and see us around the next piece. Next week, something entirely different. It's all Amuna, but something entirely different. Rabbi Nachman sums it up. We do not need these works. It's a waste of time. A person has to make a, a cheshman for himself. I only have a certain amount of time in my life. So should I spend years and years clarifying the foundations of my faith in a way of philosophy? And then once I feel pretty certain about it, then I'll use the rest of my time. Why waste the time? We're anyway going to come to the realization that this is the MS. Jump right in. We only have a limited amount of time in our day. If we have certain amount of time to learn, why not learn the Sfarim of the Ariya Kaddish? Why not learn the Zohar Kaddish? Why not learn the Gemara? Why not learn the Midrashim? Why not learn Shulchan Aruch? Why not learn those works that are already substantive for the believer instead of spending all my time getting to the place where I allow myself to believe and then jump into it? It's much simpler and it saves us lots of time. Isr Galam Oyed by Breslavers was a very, very forbidden thing. We believe in Hashem because we believe in Him. Period. Done. Two, two points, and then we're going to finish Mamish. This is Nakuda the Dreidel. Two sort of kavanas to have. When we're playing Dreidel, people think it's a joke. It's a kid's game. It's not a kid's game. It's very, very deep. The Svarmakadoshim are Marach, the has a glorious mimer. Maybe we'll be Zoha to learn it together. Glorious. And the Sodos of the Dreidel. Like, not to be believed. Like, a pili plays. But the world doesn't know. They don't know anything, you know, largely. We don't know anything. And so we think that the, that the dreidel is just a game. It's the deepest. It's the deepest in the world. But al Kapanam over here, I just want to point out two things. Let's review quickly. Rabbi Nachman says that we play with a dreidel on Hanukkah because Hanukkah is an aspect of the Beis Mikdash, And the Beis Mikdash was the embodiment of faith in which all things are changing one from the other because nothing's really changing. Because everything is already drawing on the Echad Yachan the source from which everything derives, which 
which is the le level of hiyuli, which is that elemental uh, material, and therefore everything can become anything else because we believe that Akadosh Baruch Hu is running the world in such a way where that which is above can become below, that which is below can become above. It doesn't make sense. It's faith. It's emuna, and that's what the Beis Hamikdash represented. And that's since Hanukkah is connected to that element of the Beis Hamikdash. On Hanukkah, we play with a dreidel, which represents things switching all the time. And on the dreidel, we have the letters Nun Gimel Heishin, which are Hiuli, which is that elemental force. And then we have the three general categories of creation, which are Nivdil, Galgal, and Shuffle. They, these four letters are also Rashi Tehbe's Ga'alta, Shevet, Nachlasecha, Har, Siyon. Why? Because this is a redemptive consciousness. If we can hold on to this awareness that Hashem is running the world and that everything draws on the oneness and to reveal that oneness and everything and that everything can change, that's the, that's the foundation of redemption. And that's why the Rashi Tehbe's of this Pasuk, which is a reference to the redemption of Am Yisrael, is also going to be Rashi Tehbe's Hiyuli, Galgal, Shuffle, and Nivdal. Okay. But I want to tell you two other nakudas very, very quickly. First, notice that when we spin the dreidel, all the while that it's spinning, it stays upright. And the moment that it stops, it falls over. And this is because Ba'omek, it is only a consciousness that sees HaKadosh Baruch who has actively involved in creation in the way of Nun Gimel Haitian spinning around all the time because God is creating everything and everything draws on His oneness that's manifest in a diverse world, that creation is buzzing, that creation is alive, that creation is mikuyam, that creation is standing up. But the second that we lose that, or the second that that element of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's oneness manifest in creation is gone, the dreidel falls over. Because that would mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not actively involved in every single facet of creation. That's one thing. The other thing I want to say is very, very deep. It's very deep. We don't have time now. We're already way beyond our time. And I apologize for that. You know, I like to keep it to an hour. This is a very important piece. I wanted to learn it in its entirety. But this is the last thing, Mamish. One more thing. The final thing is That when we spin the dreidel, we cease to see the distinct letters. Which means to say that when you hold the dreidel in your hand, you can flip it over. You can analyze every segment of creation. Hiyuli, the source. Nivdal, angelic, the spiritual realm. Galgal, the realm that's in between. And then shuffle this world with everything that this world uh, encompasses. Which is just one Hebrew word, shuffle. Everything we'll ever encounter. It's so beautiful and neat. Fits into that category, right? And we can flip it over. But the most incredible, beautiful thing about this world is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that in our experience of all different categories of creation, in our experience of Eish Ruach Mayim Afar, in our experience of Domim Tzomeach Adaber, in our experience of the plethora of life, and like we spoke in the first piece, in the good moments, in the sad moments, in all of life, and our awareness that everything draws on the oneness, then each and every experience that we have doesn't detract from the oneness it becomes blended within it. So that when we spin the dreidel, that's the unity. That's the unity. A blur of all the letters, of Nun Gimel Heishin coming together as one. That the multiplicity of this world actually contributes to the revelation of the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as extroverted, as manifest throughout the multiplicity of this worldliness. And so that sort of brings to the outside what Hashem contains Kivyachl inside and sort of unfolds it so that we can see. But ultimately, ultimately, when we spin the dreidel, we're looking at it and we're realizing that if we're going to have this consciousness of everything drawing on one source and therefore everything changing and HaKadosh Baruch Hu being active participant in this world and anything being possible, which is redemptive, 
That's the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then we stop seeing shuffle, galgal, nivdal, he, you know, hiuli. We stop seeing things as being independent categories. All we see is ein oid malvadai. And there's no redemption greater than that. And so I bless us, friends. I apologize for keeping you so long. I bless us. Whoever's left, I bless us with a, with a redemptive Hanukkah. With a Hanukkah that when we sit with our kids and we play the dreidel, to them it's a game. And maybe to them it's not a game. Maybe we can teach them a little bit in an age-appropriate way. We can teach them what they can handle about these ideas, right? And about, and about how things can turn around and, and transform. We can teach that lesson to our kids. But I'll call upon them when we're looking at the dreidel, we have to have big kavanas, nun gimel heishin. Kiyuli, Nivdil, Gagal, Shuffle, unbelievable, unbelievable levels that are very lofty, that are very exalted. And uh, it should be a Hanukkah full of faith. It should be a Hanukkah full of believing that anything's possible, that miracles do happen. And I bless us to experience that miracle and those miracles in our lives. I apologize for keeping you waiting. I will not talk anymore. I promise. Have a most wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. And Bezer Hashem will see you next week, I hope, if I'm lucky enough. Okay, thank you, Chavar. Thank you so, so much for joining. Have a most wonderful rest of your day and rest of your week. All the best. Thank you so much. Bracha, thank you so much, Yosef. Thanks for joining. To all the chevra here, Schwarze Wolf, Gewalt, love that name. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.